If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, we'll be closing out our study of Hebrews chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 13 here this morning. And the subject of our discussion here this morning is the better new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. Hear God's holy word. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least to the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first of the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The writer of Hebrews, he has been careful. He's been deliberate. And his goal has been uh, to move these struggling saints that he's writing to, these Believers, they're, they are tempted to go back to the, the old covenant way of worship. And, and, and the author, he is, he, his desire is to, to move these saints away from this desire to go back to the old covenant. And, and he is instilling in them confidence, confidence in the new covenant, confidence in Jesus Christ. He, 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 he wants them to, they've already uh, have made a commitment to Jesus Christ, and he wants them, them to remain committed to Jesus Christ. And, 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 and thinking about the author's desire for these believers, that should be your desire as well. To stay true to Jesus Christ, to not deviate in any shape, form, or fashion away from the grace that is found in him. His grace is sufficient, Paul says. What we have in Christ 
is sufficient for us to live the Christian life, no matter how tough our lives may get in this world. And these believers, they're being persecuted. They're suffering. And they're tempted because of the suffering they're going through to turn away from Jesus Christ. And so the author is, 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 is pleading with them. And he's pleading with them by raising up Jesus Christ. He's putting Christ on display so that they can see him clearly, that he is the son of God who is greater in, in every facet than the, all the Old Testament and the covenants and the priesthood and the tabernacle and the temple. The, the sacrifices. Christ is greater than all of these things. And if he is greater, look at him. This is what the author is doing. Christ, he, he is greater. He, he's a, he, he said that he is our great high priest. And for these believers, that's significant because the temple still stands. And, there, and, and because the temple still stands, there's the priest, there's the offering of sacrifice, and they're tempted to go back that way. But he's saying Christ is, is greater and superior. And he's, he's greater than all these different things. So look to him. In our text today, he's going to talk about, it, about the uh, new covenant. The, the new covenant. That the, the new covenant is, is better than the old covenant. And, and it gives us a reason. The, the first reason why, why the new covenant is, is, is greater than the, the old covenant, the old Mosaic covenant. The new covenant is the, the covenant that Christ mediates. It is the, the new covenant is the Christ, is the covenant that Christ inaugurates, that he brings in. This covenant is better than the old because Christ, because Christ is a, he's the mediator of this covenant. He, he, he's the mediator. The, 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 the author has, has been pointing to the Levitical priests and, and the fact that they that they're they're doing their duties and 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 what they're doing is pointing to Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ, remember, we said he had a superior ministry. He is seated in the heavenlies. He's seated in a in a in a greater sanctuary. He is performing a a, a superior ministry. And 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 the writer would tell us here that he mediates a better covenant. Look with me at verse number six. The writer of Hebrews says this, he says, but as it is, Christ has obtained. Notice the tense right now. This is this is not something they have to to to, to wait on for Christ to do. He says, but as it is, Christ has obtained right now a ministry. Don't worry about those other priests that are in the temple that are offering sacrifices. What they're doing doesn't mean anything. Christ, right now, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the, than, than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. What is a, what, what is a covenant? It says here Christ is a, a mediator of, of a better covenant. What, what is a covenant? A covenant it's, it's a legal, it's a legal and, and binding agreement or contract between two or more parties. When we think about covenants, we, in, we enter in covenants all the time. If you sold a house, you entered into a covenant in order to sell that house at the price that you said that you're going to sell that house at. In marriage, if you're married, you're entered into a covenant. That is a covenant relationship where two individuals 
come together and they agree on the terms of marriage. Covenants is that they're, you think about when you sign a contract, just like you, you sign, you sign a contract, you put your signature on there, you're making a covenant that you're going to fulfill whatever agreement, whatever agreement that the contract stipulates. And so a covenant is, it's a, it's a legal binding agreement. It's, it's, it, it, it is a, a way for when we talk about the, the covenant in scripture, in the, uh, in, in scripture, it's a way of describing how God relates to man and how man relates to God. God relates to man in, in a relationship. It is always through a covenant. It is always through a, through a covenant. And we see that Christ is a mediator uh, of a better covenant, a better binding uh, agreement, a legal agreement because of what he has accomplished and given himself as a as, as the, the, the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice, the sufficient sacrifice for our sins. So this is what a, what a covenant is. We, we see that here in the text, but we see another word here that it says that that Christ mediates. What, what is a what is a mediator? Well, a covenant needs a mediator. It, it needs someone who is the 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 go between. The person that is that is in the middle, that is that is operating for the benefit of of the parties that are involved. A mediator is a goal between. He he acts on behalf of the two parties. And then notice our text. It says that Christ, that 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 uh, that Christ, he mediates the covenant. This is the new covenant. Jesus, our great high priest, stands in between us. And holy God, Jesus Christ, as the mediator who stands in between us and holy God, enables us who are sinful to have a relationship and fellowship with God who is holy. There is no way that we could fellowship with God. There is no way that we could have a relationship with God apart from Christ as our mediator. There, there is no way that we could we could come to God on our own apart from Jesus Christ. Christ is our mediator. He, he mediates a better covenant. Uh, the people of the Old Testament, they had mediators. It was the priest. It was the high priest. They mediated that they were mediators of, of uh, before God for the people. But Christ is he's a, a greater mediator because he is not only man he is god he is able to stand in between god and man because he is both god and man he's a perfect he's a he's a he's he's a he's a perfect superior mediator because in christ we're brought all the way uh into relationship with god in, in a sense we we, uh, we we saw that we we're able to draw near to God, to draw near to God and draw near to, to the throne of grace. The writer of Hebrews says and find mercy and and and, and grace to help in, in time of trouble. Jesus is a mediator. 
We, we see this in the New Testament. First Timothy chapter two, verses five through six. It says, for there is one God. There is one mediator between God and man. The, uh, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave him. This is this is this is why he 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 is a, his he mediates a superior covenant because uh, Paul says to Timothy, who he says of Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, because Christ is he 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 shares in in both the nature of of God and man and and because Christ is the one who absorbed the penalty of our sin he absorbed the wrath of God that was due to us he is the perfect mediator he 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 is the perfect go between uh between God and man he he's perfect so the writer is saying that that, that of Christ that he is a that, that he has obtained a, a, a better ministry right now because he is, if you are in Christ, he is your high priest who is also the mediator standing between you and God. And, and because Christ is, is a mediator and he's a mediator of, of the new covenant, this makes the, the new covenant better because it brings about better promises. And we're going to look at that here in a few minutes, the better it, the Jesus and the work that he has accomplished, his his he has reconciled us to holy God and the work that he has has accomplished is, is guaranteed because of the promises that God has made in the new covenant. And notice the, the, the text that it says of, of Christ that says, uh, but but it, as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better notice the the this 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 last phrase since it is enacted on better promises this 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 is again uh pointing to the the superiority of what Christ does he is a mediator and the covenant he mediates is is enacted on on better promises and this uh this word enacted it's a it's a legal word Richard Brooks observed this. He says, quote, the verb enacted uh, has a legal sense implying the, the secure establishment of the covenant through Christ. It has been legislated by divine authority, and so it must stand and is not subject to alteration, end quote. And, and so what is he saying? In other words, God's promise we serve a god who promises can be trusted in the new covenant what what god what we're going to read about god the, the the blessings that that god promises in the new covenant they are true they will never be pro, uh, broken god will keep his promise these are and he the, the writer said these are these are better promises and and, and these better promises are, are found we, we're going to Again, see here in verses eight through twelve. This, this is a quote. This is it's the longest quote in, uh, uh, in Scripture. It is quoted from Jeremiah thirty-one, uh, verses thirty-one through four. But these promises of, of the new covenant, they they are they're better. Uh, they they point to they point to the sufficiency of the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. And so the 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 new covenant. 
It is a, a better covenant. And why the new covenant? Why did God institute the new covenant? Well, we're going to look at the issues or some of the issues with the old covenant. We, we needed a, a there was a new covenant that was needed because the writer says that there were faults with the first one. Look at verse number seven. It says for if that first covenant talking about the uh, the the Mosaic covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Again, this first covenant is the Mosaic covenant. This uh, this covenant was not without faults, the, right, the writer says. But we have to ask the question, but why? Why is it that the writer says that the first covenant, in a sense, he was saying that it, it has faults? Didn't God institute the old covenant? Didn't God, wasn't it instituted by the divine will of God? Did God make a mistake in, in establishing the, the, the first, it's called here, here the first covenant? Did, is, is the first covenant, is it bad? Is it, is it wrong? Is it sinful? Is that why God established the new covenant? No. The, what, the, what the writer is saying, he is saying this. He, he's pointing out, he's simply saying this, that remember that all the rituals, all the sacrifices, all the ceremonies, all of these things that the people were doing year in, year out, they were doing them over and over again under the old covenant. All the things that they're doing, priests would come and he would perform his duty. That priest would die. Another priest would come on and take his place. And that was happening over and over again. They was offering sacrifices over and over again. They were doing ceremonies over and over again. And the writer saying it, it was uh, there, there was a fault in it because these, this showed that the, the old covenant never brought about perfect relationship, perfect fellowship with God. Because if it had, the people would have stopped offering sacrifice under the old covenant. But it didn't. They were doing, they were offering sacrifices over and over again. Priests were serving and ministering time and time again. So the, the old covenant, it didn't, it didn't establish a perfect fellowship with God. Uh, and if it, and if it did, there wouldn't have never been a mention of another in scripture. And, and so the writer says it, 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 that there was a fault, but the, we'll see where the fault lies. The fault is not with what God has had promised to do in the old covenant. The, the fault is with the people. God's 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 covenant, the covenant, the old covenant that God God made, it, it was a, a manifestation. It was a perfect manifestation of, of of His His righteousness, and 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 God by design did it that way. He 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 enacted this covenant uh, in, intentionally to to show that the people were not able to live up to the terms and conditions. This is why. They, they, you know, time and time again, they sin and they sin and they sin 
And they kept sinning. They, they, they sinned over and over again. And when they sinned, they had to offer sacrifice. They sinned. They had to offer sacrifice. The priest had to take this over. They did it. Uh, this was going on time and time again. And, and this was by God's design. It, it was by God's design to, to, to show that the, what, that man apart from God and his mercy would be doomed. We, we would, we would be helpless. And so God gave a, a covenant, the old covenant, and, and the people, they were not able to live up to the terms. And, and, and the covenant itself, the, the old covenant was based upon you do this, you'll be blessed. If you don't do this, you're not blessed. You're cursed. And, and, and that is all that the old covenant could do. It, it couldn't uh, save a, a person who was a sinner. Uh, it couldn't bring about the perfection that, that was needed in order to fellowship with the holy God. And, 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 and again, the purpose was to show the sinfulness of the people. God offered a covenant, a perfect covenant to a sinful people. And we, we see this in scripture. Turn, turn to Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Just going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Romans chapter 5. Look at verses 20 and 21. I'm talking about the old covenant which was uh, which which was stipulated. We came it came under the law, the law of God, the law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. But notice what Paul says in Romans chapter five, verse twenty, in reference to the law, the law that governed the old covenant. He says, "Now the law came, and and notice why it came. He said the law came in to increase the trespass, because where sin increased." And, and here is a bl the blessing for us uh, who are uh, under the, the new covenant where, where uh, it says the law came in to, to increase the trespass where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace, talking about grace uh, uh, that we receive in Christ, Grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial giving of his life, his perfect life. And, and, and he gave a life to appease the, the, the wrath of God. And, and God uh, ex exchanged the, our sins and, and put them on Christ. And he, he, he took Christ's righteousness and imputed that to our account. And because Christ's righteousness is imputed to our accounts, grace reigns upon grace upon grace. Grace abounds abundantly in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. But the law, the purpose of the law it was good. It was to show the exceeding sinfulness of man. Turn, look over to, to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse number 13. Paul talked about, he's talking about the fact that when he came 
uh, when when uh, God uh, brought about regeneration in him, when he was he was born again, he realized the 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 true nature of the law that when he said that he he saw in the law that thou shalt not covet, but he saw in himself nothing but coveting. That's what the law did. It exposed the fact that he was a sinner. But th does this make the law bad because it exposes us? It exposed sin. Look what Paul says in verse 13, Romans 7, but uh, uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 13, he says, did that which is good then bring death to me? If you, you break uh, God's law, the penalty is death. He says, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me, that which, uh, death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Look over at chapter 11, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse number 32. Pastor Mark read this earlier. Romans chapter 11, verse 32. And notice what Paul says concerning Israel and really concerning all men. For God has consigned all to disobedience. And this is what the law did. It showed that all are disobedient. All men are disobedient. That he may have mercy on them all. God's law is good. It, it is good. The, the, the old covenant and, and the stipulations that were, that were given by God, if you, if you obey, uh, you'll be blessed. And if you disobey, you'll be cursed. These, this, this, these realities that, that God was showing concerning his righteousness and man's sinfulness, it was shown so that God can have mercy. Thank you, God, for your, your mercy. Thank you for your law that exposes us. Remember the writer Hebrew said that, the, that God's word is like a, a sword. It, it, is, it is a double-edged sword that goes in and it, it lays us naked before God. And it exposes us to the, to, the, to the reality of God's holiness and our sinfulness. We can't hide from God's law. The people couldn't hide from the fact that they were sinful. It was exposed time and time again. They broke God's covenant. And so the fault didn't lie with God's covenant, God's law. The fault was with the people. It was with Israel. Look at verse number eight. For he finds fault and he gives where the fault, where the blame lies. Where is the fault? For he finds fault with them. Who? Israel. With, 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 in a sense, uh, uh, the, the, the people, the, the, the covenant people of Israel. He finds fault with them when he says, uh, and he's going to quote Jeremiah before we get there. We've got to see this. The, the old covenant fell because Israel, they could not keep their bargain. They, they couldn't keep the, what they promised to do. And in, in, in Exodus, 
You remember Mo Moses, he, he got the words uh, uh, of the law from God and he brought what God said and God had promised to the people. And they said, we're going to do everything that you say, God. We, we're going to, they, they said it twice in Ezekiel, uh, Exodus 19, uh, verses five through six and, 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 uh, and in verse eight. Oh, God, we, in, in chapter 24, uh, verses uh, three and said, we, we're going to do what you say. God said, if you obey, you're going to be blessed. Oh, God, whatever you command, we're going to obey. That's what the people said. And you remember, you remember when Moses, went up on Mount Sinai and he was up there and the people were like, oh, Moses ain't coming back. We need, we need to, they looked to Aaron and Aaron, what did Aaron do? They, they looked and said, we, we need, we need a God. And, and they, Aaron took the gold and he fashioned a calf while Moses is up on Mount Sinai, ratified, the, the covenant is being ratified and Moses is up there, you know, uh, doing the, the, the work of, of receiving what God says. And the people, while Moses is doing that, they're disobeying. At the very foot of the mountain, that, that holy God is giving what he requires to, to Moses. The people is at the, the foot of the mountain sinning. And, and so... The writer is saying the fault is, 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 is not with the, the, the covenant, I mean, even though the, the covenant couldn't bring about the, the, the righteous requirement. The, the, the fault, it, 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 it overwhelmingly, it, it, it's the people. <laughs> it's, the, it's the people. And, and, and Israel's disobedience, because they were disobedient, the old covenant uh, contract that God made with them, they, it was rendered null and void because of their continual disobedience. Over and over again, making idols, uh, marrying people that God told them not to marry, giving their child, giving their children over to idols. Sinful, wicked people. And, and, and the right said, this is, God finds fault with them. And uh, under the old covenant, which couldn't bring about perfection in their lives. And so now we're going to look at the, the better promises that Christ, the, of the covenant that Christ mediates. And, and again, this quote, is, it comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, starting at verse 31. And, and this is the, 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 the longest quote from the Old Testament that is found in the New Testament. It, it's, the, it's the longest quote that that uh, we can find that is given, uh, you know, as far as chapter and verse from, from the Old Testament. And notice what the writer says, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, this is this is from Jeremiah chapter 31, starting at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Notice uh, that this is something that God said, I will do this. This is, he said, I will, I, and, and this, this phrase, I will, it can be found throughout uh, this reference from Jeremiah chapter 31. 
And, and this points to the fact that that this is something that God God is the initiator. The the new covenant in which God was uh, going to uh, institute for his people, Israel, and for us today, it was it was God who took the initiative. You had God took the initiative and we'll see that we're talking. We'll see here a couple of verses down. We'll see regenerate. It was God who said that he will write the law on your heart. He will he will uh, put the law in your mind. This is not something that we do for ourselves when when God regenerates us where before the regeneration comes before we are born again we were dead we we were we were like a you go to a graveyard and you open up a grave and and in the grave is a corpse and that corpse is stinking it's decaying that's the way we were we were dead in trespasses and sins and there was no way that we could produce life any kind of spiritual life but God had to and God had to come and do it. Just like he when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus was in the tomb. He was dead. He couldn't do anything. And it was at the words of Jesus Christ, Lazarus. Arise and Lazarus got up. It's the same way in the Christian life. When you became a believer, you responded to what God was doing in your heart already. We'll see that here in a few minutes. But this, the, 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 the uh, God says uh, to to His people who they they were disobeying, they were they had broken the 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 old covenant, and God says, "I will establish a new covenant. I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob." This word "establish" means that it that it would not be replaced. It will not be broken. The new covenant will always stand. And God is the initiator. And this is a declaration from God. And, and notice that it's a new covenant. It, it's a new covenant. It's, it's new in a sense that it, it is different in nature. It, it is different in quality. Uh, it, is, it, it is the new covenant is, is, is not in a and this is this is important for us as uh those who who understands that baptism follows a confession of faith in Jesus Christ those who who believe that the and and uh, the the covenant is just a it's just a the new covenant is an improvement on the old covenant and they bring in uh Say, for instance, baptism, uh, baptizing children. They bring this this idea of baptizing children comes because of the the fact that they believe that the old the the new covenant is just really an improvement of the uh, of the it's just it's taken and it's approved. They take the the, the new covenant, you can put it on the old, and 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 it's just an improvement of, of the old covenant. No, this the the new covenant is is it's it's new. It's different. It's different in nature. It's, it's different in, in, in quality because 
it is based upon in the new covenant. God is going to do a work in the heart of his people. And we're talking about, you know, baptizing children. If a child ain't saved, they don't need to be baptized. They're not automatically a part of the covenant. Children are not automatically saved. They're not automatically a part of the covenant, of the new covenant. God has to do a work in them. You may get some letters in the mail because I said that, but that's, that's okay. That's what the scripture teaches us. So the new covenant, it's, it's new. It's not an improvement. And, and, and listen to Dr. Phil Newton. It's a Baptist preacher. He says, and talking about the, 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 the different nature of the new covenant, he says, because God called, he says, a new covenant. Phil Newton said this. He said, quote, the old is external while the new is internal. The old covenant is temporary while the new covenant is eternal. The old covenant is national while the new covenant is global, meaning the, on the old covenant, it, was, it only pertained to the people of Israel. The new covenant pertains not only to the people of Israel, but to all, to, to, to Jews and to Gentiles. So the old covenant addressed one race, he says, while the new covenant addressed every race. The old demands obedience, while the new covenant creates a heart for obedience. The old leads to condemnation while the new leads to glorification. So the, the, this new covenant, it is new and, and it is and it is it is. There are some things that look similar, but it's different than the than that of the old covenant. So look at verse number nine. He says, uh, God will establish a new covenant. It's not like the covenant that I made with their their father again, showing that this this is a uh, this this covenant, the new covenant is is in contrast to the old. He said, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day I, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And God, the, the people of Israel had every reason to obey God. The, the writer says God took them. This is intimate. This is, the, the, this language is a, it's, it, it denotes the intimacy that, that God had when he was, he, he, when he said, I will be there, be your God and you will be my people. God took them. They said, he, he said, I took them by the hand. But, but notice the response for they did not continue in my covenant. And again, they, the, the, the old covenant didn't accomplish uh, perfection because of the failure of the people. And notice this, it says, for they did not continue in my covenant. This is a, a, a God took the initiative and, uh, and, and instituted the old covenant. There was, there was uh, a number of covenants that God made in the Old Testament. This is referring to the Mosaic covenant. And, and, you know, the, the people, the Bible likens their sinfulness to adultery, uh, adultery uh, and as, as one of one who is married to another. The, the, the people 
uh, that God says for this this language that it's, it's, it's like a marital language. They did not continue in my covenant. They, they, they broke God's covenant uh, as it were their wedding vows is the, uh, uh, to God. And they 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 played the, the Bible says that they played the, the harlot and, and committed spiritual infidelity. They, they committed spiritual infidelity with God and they ran out the items. Even when Moses was was getting the law of Mount Sinai, they were right to foot committing spiritual infidelity, spiritual adultery. Jeremiah says it in another way. He said that my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn for themselves broken sisters that can hold no water. What is he saying? They were they for they turned away from God to idols. They turned away from God to living water and they turned to idols and said, give me water. <laughs> and, and Jeremiah says, but the, the, the sisters that they were trying to drink out of and, and, and serving these idols, it was broken. And God's response says, and, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. The people rebelled against God. And, and because they rebelled against God, they forfeited his blessings under the old covenant. But the new covenant is, 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 is not like the first covenant. It will be continued for all eternity and it will never be broken. Because it's not based upon us. It's not based upon what you do. What I do is based upon what Christ has already done. So look, let's look at the blessings of the new covenant. Verse 10. The, the, the new covenant is, is a covenant of grace. Verse 10. For this covenant, this is the co- this is the covenant, God says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord. After the days of where they just continue to live in disobedience, God is going, he's going to make a, a, another covenant, a covenant of grace with his people. And this covenant is filled with our wills. Our wills. Verse 8, verse 10, verse 12. And, and these, this, this, the fact that God said, I will do this, this highlights God's sovereign grace and his sovereign power behind this prophecy from Jeremiah. It, in spite of what the people have done, God is going to be gracious to them. Richard Brooks said this uh, of uh, this this fact that it's God who is initiating this new covenant. He says, "quote It has to do with the uh, talking about the new covenant with the sovereign dis, uh, uh, dispensing of grace on God's part. It is not a mutual agreement as the result of negotiations hammered out between God and another party." or parties until they can agree on the terms, but rather the talking about the new covenant is something entirely on God's side. It's of God's pleasure and it's on God's terms. This is what the I wills are, are pointing to that. This is, this is something that God has determined to do for his own pleasure. And knows what God would do. 
I will put my laws in their minds. You notice the certainty of that. This is a matter of fact. God says, I will not. Maybe this is how this is how the the new covenant operates. He says, God says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them on their hearts. And this makes the new covenant superior because it's going to implant God's law into the minds, which is deals with the the intellectual understanding. Remember, Paul, we go back and read Romans seven. Paul said when when he there, there was a point where the the in a sense, the law uh, came alive to him where he he earnest. There was a, up until that point. He didn't understand the nature of the law. He matter of fact, if you go back and read Philippians chapter three, Paul said, according to his view before salvation, he was he was the remember he said I was the Jew of Jews. When it came to the law, when it came to the law of God, in a sense, he was faultless. He was he was in a sense perfect when it that was before God had awakened him to the law. Before God had put the law in his mind and written it on his heart. He had an intellectual understanding and he the the, the law. Uh, came alive to him and it impacted him inwardly, his nature, his affections, his actions. But the, the old covenant couldn't do this. The old covenant couldn't change man's heart. It All it did was say, this is what you're supposed to do. It, 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 gave, uh, it, it gave these external practices, these commands, and Israel most of Israel, all most of them just only obeyed or participated outwardly. It wasn't it wasn't that they were doing, that they were obeying from the heart. They were just because God said it, we're gonna do it, but really, really not, really not in the heart. And 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 because of this, if I think about, you know, with kids, you tell your children to go do something. And they'll do it, but that doesn't mean that they're doing it because their heart wants to do it. They're doing it because you told them to go do it. And that's the, it's the same with the people uh, of Israel. They were, they, many of them were obeying. They were, you know, uh, uh, doing what God required, but it wasn't from the heart. And if it was, if it was from the heart, they wouldn't disobey God time and time again. But the, the, uh, the, the old covenant couldn't change the heart. The new covenant can. Uh, we see here, God said, I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And, 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 and note, and, and matter of fact, we, we can see that if you want a, a reference to how God puts it in, in the mind, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul said that the, the, the spirit, and this is the work of the spirit of God, it takes the, the law in it and it uh, writes uh, God's, Word on our hearts. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse three. But notice, God said, "I will I will put my laws into their hearts and write them on their uh, put the, put it in their minds and write on their hearts." And notice the, the next verse: "And I will be their God, and they shall be my people." This is this is this is again this is permanent. 
This is when, when, when God uh, brings you into the new covenant, God is your God. And you are the people of God. This, this is a reference to, to regeneration, because if, if God says I will be their God, that means that not only is this from God's perspective, it has to be from the, 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 the person who is under the new covenant perspective as well. They have to see God as their God. They have to see themselves as the people of God. And again, this this points to regeneration where God makes those who are spiritually dead. They are made spiritually alive. They are empowered. They are empowered with a new desire and ability to know God. This is what uh, Ezekiel points to Ezekiel 11 and 19, Ezekiel 36, 25 and, and through 27. God will will put his law in, in, in their hearts and the new covenant and they will obey God's command. In fact, turn, turn on Ezekiel chapter 36. This is, this is a familiar passage to you. Ezekiel chapter 36. We'll start at verse number 22, read through verse 27. This is God speaking. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus said the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act for the sake, uh, but for the sake of my holy name, which you are profaned among the nations to which you came and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name and which has been profaned among the nations and, and with which you have profaned among them and the nations uh, will know that I the Lord declares the Lord God when though when through you I vindicate my holiness before the eyes I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the, the countries and bring you into your own land Notice again this what uh, the the similarities of the I will uh, to to our passage from Jeremiah. I will take you, he says, verse twenty five. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Who this obedience that that is referred to in, in verse number 37, it is the result of what God has, the result of what God would do in the heart of his people. And so if you are a believer, you had the heart to, to come to Christ, you came to Christ, you, you saw Christ as the treasure of heaven, you, you, you uh, understood and you embraced the reality of your sin and that you need a Savior, you know why you did that? Because of the work of God in your heart. You wouldn't have done it. You, you I'm sorry, the country, you, that's probably, that's bad English. I'm going to say it anyway. You wouldn't have done that. 
apart from the work of God in your heart. And even as a believer, you, you should realize that it's because of God's grace that you continue in Christ. This is what Augustine, Augustine realized this. And he said, when he said this, he says, quote, on your exceedingly great mercy rests all my hope. Give what you command and then command whatever you will. God, give me the ability to do what you command and command what you will. Command what you will, but give me the ability to do what you command because I can't do it on my own. Paul, Paul, uh, he emphasized this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but also, but much more in my absence, work out your soul, your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's a part that we have to do, but we do it because God is doing, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for doing the work in us so that we can will and have a desire to do what you desire. Verse 11. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. In, in, in the new covenant, those who believe in God, they, there, there's never a point if we believe in God, we're saved and we believe in God. There's never a point where somebody got to come and persuade us to believe in God. There, nobody had to come to me and try to persuade me to believe in God or believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in him. He, he says, he says, they shall know me. This, this is this, this is an intimate knowing from the least to the greatest. John refers to this in first John chapter two, verse 27. As, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that that brings about illumination. John says, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit will bring about illumination in our hearts of who God is who Christ is, will know him and sins are forgiven. Look at verse 12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and hallelujah. I, and I will remember their sins no more. I'm about to start running through the building. You hear what you hear what God promises under the, the new covenant. I won't, the, the, I won't remember their sins anymore. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Christian life under the new covenant is not based upon what you and I do. It's based upon what Christ has done. And because it's based upon what Christ has done, the, uh, God, God sees you as being clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ to the point to where there is no condemnation to you anymore. And you've been forgiven of your sins. 
It's a done deal. This is not a license for you to go and sin. This is motivation for you to fight against sin. Verse 13, as I close, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first obsolete. And what is becoming, notice, my perspective on this is that the the temple is still standing again. And what, notice what he said, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant is obsolete. And the, the author is saying, you see those priests over there. You see the temple. And what ultimately happened to the, to the temple? It was destroyed. It, it was destroyed. So there is no sacrifice. There's no priest. There's no, no sacrificial offering going on because the temple is destroyed. And so the writer says, he's telling them, look, he says, he says the, the first is becoming obsolete. It is, it is the, the temple is, they, they, they know where the temple is at. And it's growing, it's old, and it's vanishing away. And again, this is, I believe this is in 70 AD when the temple, ultimately the temple is destroyed. This is, this is, this is uh, when uh, this, this came to pass. And so I'm hope, I hope you're seeing the blessings of the new covenant. These Jewish believers, this this would have encouraged them to 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 not go back to the old sacrificial system. And, and for us today, we don't have there's not a temple. There's not people, a priest offering sacrifices. But we can we can be tempted to turn away from Christ. And, and, and think that what I do. Is is it, 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 it pleases God. And it earns me some kind of merit before God. We, we, we can do the, we can do the same thing. And so Hebrews is helping us to see the preeminence of Christ. Stay focused upon Christ. Stay focused on, upon Christ. Don't don't turn away from Christ. Don't don't turn away and, and try to work your way to heaven, because in the new covenant and in, in the new covenant, everybody knows the Lord. And the new covenant, it, it, the law is written on everybody's heart. Can you imagine sitting there as a Jewish believer and you hearing this? What it would have, it would have set them free. The, the law is written on your heart. Your sins are forgiven. You, the, the, under the new covenant, you know God. Because the, the Holy Spirit permanently dwells inside of you. Trust Christ. And that's what he's saying to us here today. Trust Christ. Keep your mind set upon Christ. And, and beloved, we're, we fail. We, we fail. We, we sin. And, 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 it's, and it's not because we, 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 we want to displease God. There are times where, where sin can, can have such, such a, a hold on you where, and, and in actuality, you turn and you, you want to do that sin. You want to do that. But the, because we're under the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin when we sin. This is, you say, how do I know I'm a believer? That's how you know you're a believer. 
you sin and you feel bad that you sin based upon what God said in his word. But if you sin and you don't feel bad about it, you're okay with it. You go and you, your conscience is not disturbed and then you're not under the new covenant. You're not saved. Because God said he will write the law on your heart. And if the law is on your heart, if it's in your mind, when you sin against against God's word, against, against what he has commanded, you will feel conviction. So, so focus on Christ. Don't, if, if you're not a believer here today, don't, don't forfeit all of God's blessings. God has, God has said of Christ, come to him. Christ he, Christ stands uh, as, as revealed in the scripture. Christ is saying, come to me. Come to me, all ye who are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can't work for your salvation. Christ says, come. And, and he says, take my burden, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Well, what is the burden that Christ gives? Just believe in him. Just just believe in him, turn to him, see him, come to him and cling him, cling to him with all your heart. And he says, you do that. That's already signifying that I'm doing the work in your heart. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you that. Our salvation, that that our standing before you is not dependent upon us. And and Father, we we do, we we sometimes look like the people of Israel, and we sin and we fail, and and we and if in reality we love the sin that we get caught up in at times. But because of what Christ has done because of what Christ and, 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 and the righteousness and the perfect righteous life that he's lived. And that righteousness was imputed to us when, as you relate to us as your children, it is not based upon what we have done. It's because of what Christ has done. And because of what Christ has done, you, you are merciful to us. When we sin, you are gracious to us. You give us the grace we need to 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 walk and and to have a desire to do what you require of us as your children. We thank you, Father, that that you have brought about the new covenant, and we are members. We we are members of that covenant. That's what we celebrate when we commune together around the Lord's table. We're celebrating the new covenant that Christ. Bought with his, he bought with his blood. That was the price. That was the, the, the necessary sacrifice that opened the door for us to receive grace upon grace upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Thank you, Father, that the covenant is eternal and it is permanent. And I pray that if there are those who are here those who are listening online, Father, they don't know Christ. Help them to see. Open, uh, uh, Father, do the work of the, the new covenant in their hearts that will inflame them to come 
to Christ and to turn away from the sin and the world forever. We thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.